everybody. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church, and every so often we get questions in our podcast email. And in response, we create a Q&A episode to answer those questions. In this episode, you'll hear from pastors Nick Gibson and Lloyd Biddle, as well as Jill Reese, who is on staff. Today's questions are about burdens, which we've been talking about in the sermon series we just started called Flourishing in the Midst of Opposition. It's based on the book of Nehemiah, and we've got two sermons on it so far from January 5th and January 12th. You can listen to them at highpointchurch.org slash sermons or on the High Point Church Sermons podcast, which you can find on most podcast apps. As always, if you've got a question about what you heard, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org so that we can make more episodes like this. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, uh, I'm Jill Reese. I'm here with Pastors Nick hey. and Lloyd. Hey. And we've gotten some questions from the congregation about the concept of having a burden that is God's burden. So um, specifically, the questions we've gotten are um, about God's will, but basically how do we know if God's, if our burden that we have is God's burden? So first, can you guys both talk a little bit about what you mean by the word burden? You talk, both talked about it in your sermons. So mm-hmm. um, Nick, why don't you go first because you your start? sermon was first. Yeah. yeah, so I distinguish between there are, using the word burden as a negative is, mm. is a real thing and it's mm-hmm. a biblical thing. The Bible uses, um, so for example, when Jesus attacks the Pharisees, he says, you, you put on these people burdens mm-hmm. that you and your children couldn't carry, right? And you, mm-hmm. and you don't help them at all in lifting it. So mm-hmm. the word burden can mean a negative, oppressive mm-hmm. way we hurt others, but it also can be a burden, so like a longing in us Mm-hmm. Because of and it's it's but it's sort of painful because it's a desire to see something bad changed and you personally feel connected to it and you really want it to change and it becomes a burden to mm-hmm. you but it's it's morally good in its desire to get something done and if somebody said hey look I could take that burden away I could make you forget that this is even a problem mm-hmm. or that this is even a thing and you would say no mm-hmm. no you mm-hmm. can't take this out of me so it's it's sort of it's a wound that you don't want to be healed from mm-hmm. until the thing itself is healed. And so you think of like Jeremiah saying that the word of God is like a fire shut up mm-hmm. in his bones, that mm-hmm. he's weary mm-hmm. of holding it and that he cannot. Mm-hmm. That that fire burning, that that desire or Isaiah longing that God would send him in Isaiah 6, or there's mm-hmm. lots of examples of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that positive burden, that it, but it's a weight. And so it's scary for people because if you press into knowing God so that you don't just care about him, but you care about what he cares about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The weight of of holding in your heart what god cares about is hard heavy mm-hmm. and painful but mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a really good thing it's part of what paul's referring to in, in philippians where he says um to follow jesus in his death mm-hmm. and so through that to attain the resurrection from the dead it's mm-hmm. like it's a necessary pain mm-hmm. in a way Does that make sense? yeah so, one thing that was helpful from your sermon nick mm-hmm. was that you said that some burdens jesus overcomes for us so like the burden of sin and guilt and death um and all the things that go along with that but some burdens he overcomes with us and through us and we have to do that lifting as well and that's a good way for me to think about it amen yeah um i'm more in in line with what nick's version of a positive burden Mm -hmm. and uh, in, in nehemiah's case he was devastated over his own sin and the people's sin 
and he was very encouraged that there was a way out. Hmm. And so his his burden had those those two dynamics. He was hopeful. The burden produced a hope yeah. in him, which is inspiring yeah. uh, to me personally as a Christian. Yeah. And he yeah. felt very personally driven to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. He Amen. wanted, he had to do something. Mm. Yes. And that's that's critical to, mm-hmm. to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he felt all the feelings that went along with it too. Like he wept yes. and mourned, but he acted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And prayed. And, and prayed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's talk about some examples for us or for other people that we know that are burdens. That uh, would, An example we, of a burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me preface it with some philosophical theology. Okay. Really <laughs> that sounds so about right. <laughs> one of the things that I have talked about is the difference between our primary passions and our secondary passions. Yeah. So a Christian's primary passion should always be in the gospel of Jesus, the mm. Christ, that he has died to reconcile people back with God, to bring divine forgiveness, and to set us right again with God so that God's ultimate redemption won't destroy us, but instead we'll enjoy it and be part of it, right? And so th- that gospel, that truth that is revealed in Christ's coming death and resurrection, the whole story of the Bible, and that will be consummate in the final return of Jesus Mm -hmm. is the bigger story of the good news. Mm -hmm. Now within that story, there are all these like sub burdens Mm -hmm. that flow out of the heart of God. So part of that is if you love redemption, you love redeeming everything. And so you can love, you you can love redeeming the plight of the poor, the difficulty Mm -hmm. of the walls of racism Mm -hmm. and so on. So Mm -hmm. you guys probably have some examples and we can go through Mm -hmm. this, but Mm -hmm. But these are secondary passions. So it's like you're looking for the secondary passion. So because I believe mm-hmm. in Jesus, because I love him, because I believe in the whole gospel, mm-hmm. but because of my experiences, my giftings, mm-hmm. my personal mm-hmm. passions, I'm drawn to this sub-passion. Yeah. And I, I, it, that, that specifically weighs in my heart really deeply, and I want to do something about that mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. That's what I, that secondary passion mm-hmm. rooted in the gospel is what I refer to as a burden. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yep. so maybe, okay. yeah, we can give some examples of that. Yeah. Lloyd, do you, did you would have you examples? categorize Nehemiah's then emotion mm-hmm. to be more of a, of a secondary burden, trying mm-hmm. to reconcile the people back to God's heart, or would that be more primary yeah. burden in, in using yeah. the model that you just laid out? I think Nehemiah, yeah, so I think he's he's connected to that primary burden of okay. the overall redemption of God's people. Okay. But he cares about the wall. Yeah. So much. He wants mm-hmm. the wall to be built up because <laughs> that's a symbol of their humiliation. Mm-hmm. And then, and then as he gets there, you see all these other sub-burdens start to fill his life. The oppression of the poor, yep. the um, interaction of safety, just security of the people, their ability to be able to plant their crops and farms, and like mm-hmm. all these things, living out the Sabbath for real, like mm-hmm. actually having a day of rest, mm-hmm. rebuilding the homes of the city, all yep. that, they, they all end up being sub-passions. And he cares about them because he cares about the bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Amen. And yeah. those were the things that happened because God picked Nehemiah. And so those things were his, those were burdens that he would have. Like God used Nehemiah specifically in burdens mm-hmm. that he would have to complete his will. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I like, think so. I think so. But also from our perspective, just reading the book of Nehemiah, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems just as likely that God picks Nehemiah because he has those burdens. That's what I'm trying to say. That's yeah, what you're yeah. Trying yes, that's what I'm trying yep. to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I think that's one of the reasons why put, Lloyd and I both talked about this in these mm-hmm. first sermons in Nehemiah mm-hmm. is that well, I think we both believe if you don't get the burden thing right, there's you're never doing anything for mm-hmm. the Lord because He's not going to use somebody who doesn't care. Right. Right. He's just be like, hey, you're going to do this thing. I know you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even people who say God called me this thing and I really didn't want to do it, 
that's true, mm-hmm. but there was something in it they did want to do, or they never would have, quote, felt called to it. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't, like, I've said before, I didn't feel called to the local church mm-hmm. in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But the reason I did it is because I felt called to something that led me to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, burdens. Um, in my own life, my uh, the, the first real major burden I remember was for my own soul when I recognized I was a sinner. Man, I wanted mm-hmm. to get some relief from that. And that's what drove me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew good. up in a broken family, divorced. So I I'll have always had a burden to keep my family together in Christ. And it's one of the things I love about the Bible is its doctrine of the, the marriage and family. Mm-hmm. And how the husband and wife represent Christ in the church. That's a major burden for me. Um, and then there's a burden that many folks have and the church must have for non-Christians, right? And that gets to Nick's best. That's a, sub, mm-hmm. that's a, a primary, primary yeah. burden mm-hmm. um, that we have. And then we have. I, I would even say, though, that evangelism, the desire to introduce individual people mm-hmm. to Jesus, mm-hmm. is a secondary burden. Okay. But okay. it's based in the primary, the primary passion that the gospel exists yes Mm -hmm. and that jesus has come to save all Mm -hmm. and then you say well i want to introduce this person to jesus Mm -hmm. because they're part of that all that person in that act of evangelism is a secondary passion okay rooted in you do evangelism because of the evangel the gospel which is primary if you love the gospel the evangel then yeah, it's going to lead mm-hmm. you to evangelism. Yeah. That, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, but there are some people who I think really, 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 really believe in the gospel mm-hmm. and are not highly driven to evangelism. Yeah. Some people say, "Well, that's impossible." I mean, if you believe in the gospel, of course, you'll be drawn to evangelism. Well, that yes, but if you're drawn to the gospel, like for example, in Nehemiah five, Nehemiah sees the oppression of the poor and he realizes that economic injustice is going to miscarry the entire spiritual revival mm-hmm. of the people. Mm-hmm. And so he realizes in the bigger picture that if he doesn't fix this economic oppression, there can never be oneness among the people. Mm-hmm. They can never behave as brothers and they can never really rebuild a society that God wants them to rebuild. And so he gives all his effort for a particular season mm-hmm. to overcoming economic oppression. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, so he wasn't evangelizing a ton right then, right? Mm-hmm. But that, that's not the point, right? He saw that this secondary passion, this deep need that mm-hmm. he was particularly connected to and had the capacity to do something about was directly created to connect it to the plan of God. So if somebody tells me they have a secondary passion of multi-ethnicity, they mm-hmm. want to see the church be a church for all people. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, what about evangelism? And they say, I believe in evangelism, but I believe that our evangelism isn't going to be successful in a multi-ethnic world Mm -hmm. and in a place where, for example, white liberal people Mm -hmm. in a place like Madison, they see that as a great moral virtue. They already think Christianity is a great moral problem. Mm -hmm. If you can prove it, but only the church is really becoming a a people for all people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of a sudden evangelism might kick in for the people doing evangelism, partly because of the work of this other people. That's one of the reasons why I say the secondary always has to connect to the primary passion in the gospel. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. otherwise, the person doing reconciliation, the person doing evangelism, mm-hmm. the person working with the poor are all mm-hmm. going to hate each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all going to think yeah. they're better than each other. Yeah. And then you got to add in the prayer and worship people. They, well, everything flows out of prayer and worship, which is true, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also false if mm-hmm. all that's all you do. 
Right. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of those folks, that is all they do. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so Tim Keller has a good bit of this where he splits the church in like five different major sub passions. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if you don't connect to the gospel, they all fight against each other. And ultimately what they do is they make their own churches. Mm -hmm. So you get evangelism churches Mm -hmm. and theology churches and social justice churches. And worship churches. Right. And Mm -hmm. racial reconciliation Mm -hmm. churches and worship churches. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's really stupid. Mm-hmm. because they are all supposed to feed each other because they are all true outworkings of the gospel and they work best when they're all together. That's what Richard Lovelace called the Delta effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That when everyone's together and we're doing all these things mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. our secondary passions dovetail because of our primary passion is shared. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get like this deep river where all this water is moving through it and pushing everything forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When all these people split up and they think their secondary passion is the primary passion, it's like a river Delta where it spreads out and gets really shallow and anybody can just walk through it doesn't push anything yeah that's good and so that's one of the reasons why if you have to connect your secondary passion to the primary passion but there's like hundreds of valid secondary mm-hmm. passions that could become your burden right mm-hmm. and that's important to recognize. yeah and we see it in the local church and some people mm-hmm. love missions some people love children's mm-hmm. some people love families you know and so mm-hmm. all those ministries make a strong church when you put right. them all together yeah. And it's important that we have different burdens. Yeah, right. yeah as That's long right. as there's unity right. among the people yeah. with different burdens. <laughs> right. Amen. Which is the very thing you have to fight for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Nick, do you have any examples of burdens that you felt personally? Yeah. For me, when I was doing college ministry, the local church that I was a part of wanted to reach college students, but they didn't want to do anything different to reach them, mm-hmm. not even increase the excellence of their church itself. Mm. And. I remember in at 19 years old having the very arrogant, I think arrogant in some way mm-hmm. and also passionate mm-hmm. feeling the church should not be this bad. Because mm-hmm. I remember I was listening to a sermon. I remember the moment. I know where I was sitting in the sanctuary mm-hmm. and the pastor was preaching. And he, this is a good man. I mean, mm-hmm. he was. This was, a, this was a guy who was a man of God. I have a lot of respect for him. But he didn't put a lot of work into his mm-hmm. preaching. Okay, that mm-hmm. was not one of his strengths. Mm-hmm. And he would just say the same things every week over and over again for mm-hmm. 55 minutes. And I remember thinking, I'm 19 years old. I've been reading my Bible for two years. I could get up there right now and do better than this. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize at that point that was partly an issue of gifting. Mm-hmm. That I would just had I had Italian mm-hmm. verbal fluency <laughs> yeah. with this German English like analytic mind yeah. that was developing, mm-hmm. and that that was weird and a gift and helpful mm-hmm. for preaching. And mm-hmm. he didn't have that. Mm-hmm. But at another level, I was I was angry and jealous even for the church to be great, mm-hmm. so that when if I got a college student to come, they were going to hear a message that was focused on the scriptures, that was intellectually viable yet mm-hmm. passion right, and that put a burden in me for the church to be great. Mm-hmm. Now that's not, but it's a burden very few people share. Mm-hmm. Only, a few, only some pastors share it, mm-hmm. much less mm-hmm. all Christians. And so I've carried that burden for 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big thing, right? I also have a burden for late blooming men who are like not big mm-hmm. and, or late blooming um, students. Like I didn't become a good student until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so I look at people who people think are stupid, they're not gonna amount to anything. They're perfectly smart. Their self-control just hasn't really caught up with them, and they're not mm-hmm. going to be good students till they're 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. They can right. do so much. Um, I, and I have, a, I have a burden for people. Like there's a, there's a, a young African-American man right now in Philly that I just met at a conference, mm-hmm. and I know he's like that. He's mm-hmm. just, he's 
smart he's ambitious he's gonna be great Mm -hmm. but like you know he didn't have a lot of opportunities academically Mm -hmm. and he's just blooming a little later and Mm -hmm. i I think people aren't paying attention to the Mm -hmm. real gifts he's got Mm -hmm. so like i asked him to come here for six days to help him with his dream and stuff and Mm -hmm. i have a burden for guys like that you know Mm -hmm. guys that i also have a burden for young men who are passionate about the gospel and the established church pastors aren't paying any attention to them Mm -hmm. they think they're too wild or too unordered Mm -hmm. or they're they're too unformed mm-hmm. because when I went to seminary, that's what was put in my file by my mentor who I incredibly respect, but mm-hmm. he wrote in my file that I was rash or something like mm-hmm. that, which is mm-hmm. like the best thing you can put in somebody's file to make sure they never get a job, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was also partially true, at least my first and second year at seminary mm-hmm. that I was a little wild and, and that's dangerous in a church. Mm-hmm. And yet I feel like I've become a pretty good pastor and that mm-hmm. can happen. Mm-hmm. So I have a burden for people like that. So I and see how idiosyncratic mm-hmm. that is. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really important to recognize yeah. that our okay. burdens are very narrow and idiosyncratic. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is why you have to be humble about them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's and just it's just what happened to me. It's just mm-hmm. how I feel. And it's out of your experience, and you have to understand that people have different ones coming out of their own experiences. Right. That's right. Yeah. But I feel like every one of those burdens, I can root right back to the cross of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And His resurrection and what He was doing right. in that. Right. And so I feel a hundred percent bold that it is a mm-hmm. right passion and yet zero percent exclusive that it's the only right passion. Right. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been reading, we're leading up to Martin Luther King Monday this next mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading a bunch of, I probably read 75 pages of Martin Luther King over the last two days. So I'm mm-hmm. a little Martin mm-hmm. Luther King right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he had a lot of passions, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of passions, but mm-hmm. really focused on justice up until probably 60, I think that died in 68, right? Yeah, so so, so like 65, well, it's mm-hmm. a civil rights bill, right? A couple mm-hmm. years after that. And then he really focused on poverty until mm-hmm. his death, which I think is partly what led to his death because he, he was advocating in a different political way for political action that wasn't just give us the right to vote. It was like right. spend money on poor people, mm-hmm. right? right? And he came out against Vietnam kind of passionately. And mm-hmm. that I think was tumultuous. But like all these were, were, he had all these passions. And I think mm-hmm. he had a passion for evangelism, but he just mm-hmm. never got to it. Mm-hmm. He, he said on numerous occasions, he had a burden for academics and being a professor at seminary. Mm-hmm. But he said, I can't get to that passion, that burden, until I deal with this more primary, right. more immediate burden right. mm-hmm. of civil rights right. and basic poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I'm no longer needed, we have new leaders for this, mm-hmm. then I can go on to be fulfill right. my burden to be a professor mm-hmm. and to integrate theology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that in his life. And that's true for a lot of us. If you really are following the Lord and you want to know him so much, mm-hmm. you'll have more burdens than you can get to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you got to decide which ones you're going to work on, even just within yourself, right. much less in your church and the people in your church. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One so thing I've, I've thought got, about, I've got a lot more to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've thought about before, but I thought again of, as you were talking, Nick is how, just how cool it is that God uses things that could be really difficult in our lives and that might have been drawing us even away from him or could have, that he redeems those and uses them to draw others to himself. Or he can do that. So sometimes if you're in a situation and you don't know what your burden might be, think about the things that you've suffered Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, and you know how that feels. And so then think about the others who are in those situations and that might be a place to start. Yeah. and finding mm-hmm. a burden that that god shares yeah 
Yeah, when I look out at uh, here in Madison, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, inequities in education Mm -hmm. um, among students. And that's kind of been a burden for me because kind of growing up after my parents got divorced, Mm -hmm. them poor, and seeing the value of education, I was like, man, we need to make sure that the majority of kids who are educated in the public schools can get a good education. And it's a justice issue if a lot of those kids are black and brown, right? Yeah. And so um, that that burden just won't kind of go away. Mm-hmm. And so this past week I'm volunteering again in public schools mm-hmm. and seeing the benefit of it. But yeah. yeah. So out of your own personal right. experience yeah. come these burdens. Yeah, a few for me are... Um, women knowing having confidence in studying the scriptures Mm -hmm. for themselves Um, i think there's a lot of hesitancy in women to like know that they can know what the bible says um Mm -hmm. and so i feel really passionately about that and um divorce is one for me too like Mm -hmm. you mentioned that but just coming out of a broken family and man when i see kids whose parents are going through that i just know how that feels there's nothing that makes me cry like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) does um and so yeah those are a few things that just come out of my experience but are heavy on my heart and probably always will be maybe not but yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so part of what happens too is you get this interplay between leading and following Mm -hmm. and your burdens relative to other people's burdens right Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because almost none of us can accomplish change in the areas of our burdens ourselves that's right and there's usually not enough people who have our burden as their main burden Mm -hmm. to do it either Right. Mm-hmm. So some people who have other burdens sometimes have to lend their energy to you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you got to realize they're not going to share your burden like you mm-hmm. share it, but mm-hmm. they're willing to help. Right. Mm-hmm. And so steward that well and love mm-hmm. them and appreciate them for it. And don't ex- mm-hmm. don't say, well, why don't they get it? Why doesn't yeah. it catch fire in them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just mm-hmm. just say thank you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and help other people mm-hmm. in their burdens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, right. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it's your turn to follow mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So there have been times in my ministry where, and Mike is really good at this. Mm-hmm. I've tried to be good at this, where you just, oh, it feels like whiplash as a pastor. Because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm sure let's it does. do this right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These people over here. Right? Yeah, but, yeah. So many people. worked with other churches, I've yeah. also, like when I sit down with um, African-American pastors mm-hmm. or Latino pastors, mm-hmm. partly because of the history of like people trying to be white saviors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first thing mm-hmm. I say is like, what's your passion? Mm-hmm. What's your burden? What are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. And then what do you think will help us get there, mm-hmm. right? And then it's my, then at that point, I have to decide if I'm gonna get on board, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't say, here's my passion that I think you should have. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yeah. I say, what's your passion? Because otherwise they don't wanna play because it's not their passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you wanna help somebody with their passion, for God's sakes, yeah. let them do their passion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think both as being a helper and a leader, it's, it's important to understand how this plays out. Yes. Right. Yes. And even not as a leader, if you're trying to figure out how to get a burden and you feel like you don't have one, yeah. just um, what you mentioned, Nick, it's important to have relationships with people that are go deep. And so even just in covenantal friendships, if you are in driving yourself to have deep friendships, you will have burdens for other people because you'll share their burdens mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll feel what they're feeling because you know those people really well. And so you mentioned just even having relationships with other churches, but that can just be on a friendship level as well to take turns carrying each other's burdens. Right. Mm-hmm. Because burdens are specific and contextualized, they come out of our relationships with people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Even if they're focused at a structure, they still tend to flow out of people's experiences. Mm-hmm. So the two best places to look for a burden is 
as you grow in Christ is mm-hmm. coming out of your own experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your hurts and the healing that God is bringing. Mm-hmm. Don't give yourself to a burden that's just flowing out of your hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's because good. then you can do real damage, mm-hmm. right? I, I've seen people, for example, come out of a hurt and they're not really healed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they decide to become an advocate in that thing. Mm-hmm. And that can just go sideways real fast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if you are hurt and healed in something, mm-hmm you tend to have a burden for that, right? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, if you love people well Mm -hmm. and you enter into their pain, Mm -hmm. you go, you you and you do the Galatians 6, you start carrying their burdens, helping them Mm -hmm. carry their burdens. You're like, Mm -hmm. man, I wish we could just get rid of this burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or carry it better, carry Mm -hmm. it more systematically or something. Mm -hmm. And then then you want to enter in and help. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. So I remember just going to the Dominican Republic, talking with people about how a lot of Haitian people living in the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic couldn't get papers hmm. and therefore couldn't go to school. I remember how mad that made me. I, I only spent like a half an hour talking with somebody about it, mm-hmm. but I was there. I was talking to somebody about it. It mm-hmm. was real. I saw the, the people nodding. Yeah, that's how it is. And I was mm-hmm. like, that should not be like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember getting angry and being like, well, what can I do? I was ready to do something like right then because yeah. I was like, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and so, Getting in there with other people right. connects you with their burdens. You yeah. Know? yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to say about burdens or the series or anything going forward? I think uh, being a good student of the word can help you mm-hmm. with your burdens, at least, at least tying them to Christ. Yeah. That when you begin to see things uh, going wrong in your own life and in society, and you begin to see what God has to say about it, what his solutions are that can help you mm-hmm. establish a good burden and then even choose solutions that will actually work. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. And we have a, a plethora of examples of godly burdens through the through the Bible. Like David, you had mentioned yep. David and Paul and I mean, there's... Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. everyone in the Bible has some, some sort of godly burden, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but there's lots of examples of what that might look like. Yeah, I would say two things following mm-hmm. up on what Lloyd mm-hmm. said. One is there's this place in, I think it's in Nehemiah 2, where when he goes to look at the wall he wants to rebuild, mm-hmm. he surveys the wreckage of the whole thing before mm-hmm. he does anything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can be extremely naive about what we feel a burden for because the mm-hmm. burden often precedes knowledge. It's actually the passion of the burden that causes you to really investigate the thing, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like dating. Like you meet somebody, you have this feeling like, I really like them. And then you can talk with them for hours and find out Mm -hmm. about them. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things you should do when you get a burden is assume you're really ignorant about the thing still. And -hmm. let that burden drive you to survey whatever it is you're really thinking about. Otherwise, you'll come up with really half-baked things. And the second is, after he does that, he tries to rally people around it. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a burden that feels like your burden, that's great. But you're almost certainly going to need other people to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so don't be like one of these raging prophets who like alienates everybody and accuses everybody of things mm-hmm. and isn't working for a solution. Mm-hmm. You have to tell the truth in a way that invites people to the solution, even the people that you think are the perpetrators. In fact, I would say in some ways, especially the people mm-hmm. who you think are the perpetrators in creating the problem mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you want to solve concerning what you have a burden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to say, I want you to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I want you to help me fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise it doesn't, it, it just, for the purpose of your ideology, you neglect the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think 
recognizing to not go forward with pride, gathering people. And then when you get that burden mm-hmm. to survey mm-hmm. the wreckage you're really looking at, not assuming you really understand it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you're on the inside, cause I've seen, I've seen like women in the church say, I know what it's like to be a woman in the church and we need to do these things. And then the other women are like, I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And you can see this in all kinds of different advocacy groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. Yeah. But I think if you I think if you look to God, if you're praying, if you're seeking mm-hmm. to care about what he cares about mm-hmm. and you're healing and growing yourself and you're mm-hmm. loving other people, you're going to you're going to end up with a burden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to figure out how to steward it. Yeah. So come to the rest of the Nehemiah series. Yeah. We'll talk about stewarding it. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank Hopefully you. that was helpful to you guys. Um, and we'll catch you next time. listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and other apps like that we hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.